Hey everyone, and welcome to But That's Just My Opinion, the podcast hosted by me, Matt Lantrip, where I interview people about any opinion they have on any topic of their choice. So first off, want to say sorry for missing last week. Been very, very busy at work, so I wasn't able to get it out on time, so I figured I'd just wait till this week. Things are just kind of going crazy this month, so I'm going to hope to have another one out this month, but no guarantee. So, But I will be going back to regularly scheduled episodes starting in November, so be looking out for that. So my guest this week is a re- my first return guest, David Navarro, and we're talking about what makes a weak villain and what makes a good villain. You'll hear us go into detail about it. This episode spoils Don't Breathe, so if you haven't seen it yet and you don't want it spoiled, go watch it, then come back. We talk about when does a villain go too far and not believable anymore, what, like, villains can be good if they're one-dimensional or if they're complex, but his argument is sometimes... They start one way and it turns into something else. So it's a very fun talk. I really enjoyed it. I like his perspective on things. It's very different than mine, but it's always fun to talk to him about it because I always like hearing the new perspective. It's fun. My opinion this week um, has to do with sports. If you follow baseball, you know that the Giants just got knocked out by the Cubs, ending their even-year streak of World Series championships. Uh, It was tough. It's quite, quite sad the day it happened. It was very unfortunate, but we had we had 30 blown saves in the ninth inning this season. That's more than any other team by a lot, and that's just really terrible. And of course, our ended our season ended by blowing a save in the ninth inning. So it was like it 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 was bound to happen. I mean, it was bound to get exposed eventually, and I it wasn't so much that I was shocked. It, I I can't say that I'm surprised it happened. Just It sucked. But that goes into the opinion of there's always next season. I was very sad that night. Just just like, all right, baseball's done. Still going to watch the World Series and games that I'm able to catch. But I woke up the next morning ready for April. I'm ready for spring training for next season. I'm excited to see what the Giants are going to do in the offseason. Hopefully get rid of our entire bullpen and bring in a new one because that's what we need. And I was just ready. I was like, you know what? It happens. Can't win them every year or every other year like we were supposed to but i'm excited to start making an odd year thing and then winning every other odd year so no more believing it's now believe odd and just when your sports team lose i mean even if they're not good i mean i'm a niners fan as well and they are terrible right now absolutely terrible i'm just ready for them to just lose pretty much every game and then get a really good draft pick. Hopefully that works out for us. And Chip Kelly makes our team better next season. So I'm already halfway. It's not even halfway through the season. I'm already ready for next season in football. But there's always next season in every sport. Teams are going to constantly change. Nothing stays the same forever. In fact, it doesn't stay the same from year to year. Don't be sad. Eventually it will happen. And just look forward to the future. Hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode with our first return guest, David Navarro. Yeah, there's a problem with everyone vetoing trades in this league right now, too. Really? People are getting real salty. That's always rough. I mean, I don't veto any of them, so I don't really care. I mean, if people don't like it, people don't like it. As you do. Yeah, and you can also veto your own trade, so... You can veto your own trade? <laughs> yeah. That's dumb. Well, if you realize, like, that you're getting raped. a day in, like, oh, I don't want this. Right. Yeah. Damn. I've been thinking about trading Jeremy Langford, but I really needed Jeremy Langford to, like, put up any points... Well, he's out. Last night? Yeah, I know. And now I have a wasted... You pick up, spot. Did you pick up Howard? Oh, of course. I picked him up on, like, Thursday. 
Yeah, and then I'm dropping uh, Clive Walford this week because Jimmy Graham is finally producing, so I can drop my second tight end, put Jimmy Graham in, and then pick up someone else. Yeah, I have to find a second tight end right now. Waivers like, tomorrow morning? Yeah. yeah. Well, all right. Well, enough fantasy football talk. Since that morning, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Enough fantasy football talk since that's what we talked about last week. So this Did you my, really? Yeah, with Tim. Oh, that's too good. Tim's great. Tim's yeah. great fantasy-wise. Yeah. But everyone, welcome back, David Navarro. You may recognize him from the first episode we did. Hi, I was in the first. Am I also the first returning guest? You are. Oh man, all sorts of firsts. Uh, Can I do the last episode? If there ever is one, probably will be. I'll just have to murder you today. I'll just set like a three-year timer. Three-year timer. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The show's so in the three spot. years will be my third. So I'll be the first person to have three. Eventually, Maybe. Hopefully. I might just hold you off. That, that'd that be really screwed up, man. Yeah. I'll uh, just have Tim every week until he... <laughs> <laughs> until your last episode, and then I'll do the last episode. So it'll be first, last, and like seventh. No, you're at like... I think I'm at like 12? When you got me. I, yeah. I'd, have to, I'd have to look at the app and count. You don't even your... listen, do you? I did. I listened to all of them the other day. In a row. Wow. While playing How Madden. can you take my voice that much? Uh... Lots of drugs and alcohol, <laughs> and I was playing Madden. So you weren't really paying attention to No, anyways? I was mostly paying attention. The thing about Madden is, like, it's it's kind of autopilot now. I can pretty much beat most people on Draft Champions on autopilot. So, Are you playing 17? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I haven't upgraded. Yeah, I upgraded mostly because I have no willpower, and I could trade in my other Madden for, like, 25 bucks to get it. So I was like, eh, it's only, like, 30 bucks to upgrade, really. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah, and then I traded in Destiny for 50 cents. I guess I could do that, but I just, I don't know. Well, I don't I, think I re- they're doing the promotion anymore oh. to trade in the old one. Gotcha. Yeah, that's right. Well, I don't really care. Eh, who cares then? Pretty much I play video games for me. Why are we like, talking about Madden? I don't know. Okay, so welcome no. back, Matt, to my podcast. <laughs> oh, well, thank you for having me this week. You're again. welcome. Uh, uh, you I'm are my second guest. guest. <laughs> yes, I'm a return guest to the David edition of, but that's just my opinion. Uh, yeah. Well, actually, today we're going to be talking about how... Okay, you. I'm going to butcher this, so go yeah, ahead and set it. Because I don't think you really understand what I want to talk about. No, because you were. Okay, so so my my topic this week, uh, my opinion is weak villains and why they make your story suck. Uh, and by a weak villain, I'm strictly referring to villains that are like one dimensional, right? Uh, not one dimensional. Because um, I'm not a, I'm not a huge opponent of one dimensional villains. Sometimes it's totally okay. My problem specifically that i want to talk about is the idea of monsterizing your villain um there are two main cases i want to talk about and one you just saw last night yeah because you told me to don't breathe right so to prepare for this i did have matt go and see don't breathe i wanted to see it anyways it was just a better excuse for me to actually get up and go see it good because carly wasn't gonna go see it with me Mm -hmm. and i don't like going does carly not like horrors uh She'll watch, she'll watch certain things. Uh, she's not the biggest fan, but if I'm like sitting here like, oh my God, you have to see it. Like, I think probably like some of the, like she watched Red State with me and that uh, was too scary for her. Red State's so good. I know, but she thought that was really scary. Um, the Shining freaked her out. Uh, she can make it through the thing. Okay. Well, but that's kudos. A, the body horror stuff is like my hardest to get through. Yeah. So doing the thing is 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 solid. The thing is my hands down favorite horror movie yeah. of all time. That's a solid one for her to watch. Yeah. So I mean, she can get through stuff like 
Some, yeah, like Shining if I make is, her... is like psychological thriller horror, yeah. which is always like which is little... like don't breathe. Yeah, it's like it's like peeling back fingernails. Yeah, terror. Yeah, so yeah, she and... yeah she can't she does not like that stuff. I actually I'd actually say that don't breathe. I don't even think it was a horror really. It was more psychological of a, thriller. Yeah, it was a thriller. Um, I think Monly or Monly. I don't even know it. I can't even make that funny. The fact that I said Monly instead of mainly. It's just that's all the humor we're getting out of it. Is that I did it? We're both only a few sips. Of the yeah, coffee. The, the coffee needs to be drained really quickly, uh, and it's not going to. Like, wow, that was a huge gulp of your coffee. Yeah, it cooled down. Oh, well then, hold on. <laughs> that did nothing but burn my throat. So, <laughs> a weakling. Okay, so you're a weak villain. I I am not a weak villain. Now now here's here's the problem uh, that I want to get to specifically. Uh, and and for people who haven't seen Don't Breathe, let's do a really quick uh, synopsis, I guess. But also, like, let's cover like where, at what points do we like our heroes? At what points are we afraid of our villain? And then at what points does the villain get ruined? And I think you already know what point I'm thinking of when the villain gets ruined. But we'll yeah. get to it in a moment. Okay, but first, set up your idea of what makes a good villain. Uh, well, hold on. Because let's let's bring up my example of what makes a weak villain. Because that's how I'm going to show you what a good villain is. Okay. Let's do it that way. Because okay. I just want to get like some ground rules out before we dive into the movie. We're just trust me. I've it's already not like you wanted to dive in. I'm sorry. We're we're gonna dive in. We're gonna dive in slowly. It's a slow burn, Matt. Remember last time I made you understand a whole philosophical concept before we even discussed Blink One Eighty Two and my problem with them. Who I'm actually seeing on Saturday? You sell out, nerd. I've liked them since I was in middle school, and I've never stopped. I know, I know. I know. How am I a sellout? Uh, How am I a sellout? Because it's Maskeva. It's not Blink-182 anymore. I don't care. For those of you who haven't seen Don't Breathe, it opens up with uh, a robbery. It actually opens up with a very cool shot, which there is a thing I have about that shot. You know, the the like the huge the tracking. tracking yeah. yeah. So I hate the this is going to happen later in the movie shot, and that's how that shot comes in, and it's just like, Everything about that shot is telegraphed of like... Oh, this you is... mean when they first go into the guy's house? No, 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 no. That, that huge shot coming down uh, onto the street where... Oh, yeah, yeah. The very opening shot, like where they're doing the, the title sequence. Yeah. So that... I hate the... This is going to happen later in the movie shot. The the only time I really appreciate that shot is the the Fight Club one. Uh, you only speak in vowels when there's a gun in your mouth. I yeah. like I like that because I have... I, I it I don't know I don't know I just because I, that you, movie gets the pass I guess yeah I know I no I get what you're saying uh-huh. I'm not the biggest fan of that type of stuff either right so because um, so it can kind of it's like it sets up a point where you're just like oh I'm just waiting to see what's going to happen there instead of just letting the story unfold exactly in in the case of this movie I think I'm going to give it the pass just because that that shot is such a cool shot. And I was just like, as much as like the first thought I had was, oh, this is going to happen later in the movie. My second thought was, but this is really fucking cool. Yeah. I really enjoy the camera work, and I enjoy what we're setting up. I, I like it. Yeah. Okay. This is Fed- Fetty Alvarez directed this. He's a guy who did the Evil Dead remake. Okay. Excellent. Um, so this must have been some sort of passion project for him. I'm not sure. No. Maybe not. Hopefully. He, I think he co-wrote it. And he produced it with Sam Raimi again. Oh, solid. So I think he just had this, and then Sam was like, yeah, let's do something. Okay. So we open up on a sequence after that of uh, a robbery. Uh, and we meet three characters, right? We meet uh, the security guy, the guy who's going to break down the security for the robbery. Alex. We break down, or we meet the wild card, uh, Cash, I believe his name was. Yeah, Cash. And then we meet uh, Love Interest. 
I think her name was Love Interest. (laughs) Uh, So we meet. meet, I know. I only remember her name. So we meet these three characters. And immediately we're told a lot of things about these three characters. Like, for instance, Wildcard just immediately starts pissing into on the carpet and just like around the place. And he's just like Rocky. Rocky. So Cash just starts fucking shit up and he's just being an a hole. And that's how we meet him. So immediately we're like, okay, we don't like this guy. His death is going to satisfy us, right? His death is going to be like. We already know he dies because we've seen the trailer and we know that one of them dies and it's not going to be the nice guy and it's not going to be love interest. It's going to be the guy pissing on the carpet, right? So we know that guy's dead, which is fine. We don't like that guy and we've already been told not to like Especially if you know horror movie tropes, you know the asshole is going to die first. Exactly. The next thing we see is we see Rocky. Is her name? Rocky. Okay. So then we see Rocky and Rocky is like trying on jewelry and like putting on, you know, she's doing like the fantasy thing about stealing. And so we already have some amount of endearment for her. That she's doing it somewhat, we or at least we feel at this moment that she's kind of doing this for the escapism, right? That something at home isn't good. That she's doing this because the fantasy of being a wealthier person, being in a better place. And then we see security guy who's like, okay, we only steal this much. We don't steal cash. Everything that insurance can cover. So now we know that this guy is thoughtful and kind, and he cares about the people he's robbing from at least enough to not dick them over it's well not he personal. cares more about his father's security company right and he cares more about them not getting in trouble because if they get caught mm-hmm. he's lowering their risk absolutely he's a very smart kid and immediately we like this kid and then as they leave what do they do he throws a rock through the window that way it looks like a smash and grab burglary yeah that way his father keeps his business and the insurance is going to cover all this. Mm-hmm. There's all sorts of like good elements to this character already. Despite the fact that they're robbing people, we have a strong pro tag. Two pro tags. Yeah, and also it sets up like, oh, these people know what they're doing. It's not just like, oh, some people get themselves in a weird situation. It's yeah. like so we do a lot of establishing, and at this point, and it's already, only like a five minute scene, and it right. does it really quick. It does. It's it's well executed. Um, I think it makes it easier that they're not complex characters. It's literally asshole, nice guy, love interest. Yeah. And as long as we establish those characters, it's all we need to do in that scene. In love interest, Rocky is the main main character. <laughs> yeah. She ends up do, she does a lot more pro-tagging uh, than we expect, which is awesome, um, but also doesn't really matter. What I'm getting at is, is already we have our three main characters. We already like two of them. We already know one's going to die. Done. We have a team to root for, right? Yeah. Now we're going in, and we find out that Rocky really needs to get out of her house, that she needs to move on with her life, that things at home are not good, and she has to run away to California, essentially. So now we have to ha- now we have motivation for them to make a big score, right? So now it's like, okay, now the team I'm rooting for needs to get a big score. Okay, fair. Now they find the big score is going to be this blind guy who has $300,000, or maybe it's like a million dollars, whatever the... It was 300000 Later on, they learn it's more than that. Right. Okay. So they, they think they're going to make $300,000 from this guy. Great. I don't care anything else. Rocky is just enough of an asshole to make me be convinced that he can convince them that it's a good idea to go and do this as one last score. You so mean that, Cash? Cash, excuse me. Cash is just enough of an asshole to make me believe that he can convince them that they should go make this last score and then get out of town and retire to California and do something else there, right? I'm, I'm in it. I'm already on the team, right? And that's very important because I think as far as like the pro tag versus antag, we have to have a team. And as long as we're on the same team, it's an effective story, right? Like let's take Marvel for instance. 
in every single case, you are on Captain America's side. You are on Tony Stark's side. You're on their side. You just are, right? Mm-hmm. There's no, there's no movie. There's no t- chance that you're going to go in and be like, you know what? Red Skull seems like he's kind of misunderstood. <laughs> like he, he looks like a solid guy. You're not on that team, right? We're never <laughs> even going to. He wasn't technically part of the Nazis. He was just using them for greater for his greater right. days. <laughs> now, have you seen the Night of yet? No. Okay, the Night of is fantastic, but the Night of also has. Uh, it's it's harder to pick a team because you want the kid to get out of jail, but you also think he's kind of a dick, and you also kind of like this cop. And so, like the team picking swaps throughout the episodes, and that is a much more interesting dynamic for me personally as like a, a viewer to like watch my pro tag, my anti tag switch spots and be like, oh, it's all about perspective, and it's all about. You know, the struggle between men and, like, cool. Excellent. Yeah, I but like. you also got to think, that's an eight-hour eight, eight hours miniseries. Correct. This is an 88-minute Right. No, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not comparing them, per se. I'm giving you an example of, of the team build aspect of a movie or of a TV show or whatever. That you, there has to be a team that we root for. As long as we're rooting for a team, we're engaged in the story. Yeah. And the same with that. If we don't have a team we're rooting for, if we want all the characters to die, like in Cabin in the Woods, we're on a very different team. However, we are lucky in being on the team of the people trying to kill the people. Right? We're on the team yeah. of the guys in the switchboard room. Cabin in the Woods is a completely different... Right. But but what I'm getting at is is there has to be that team. Yeah. Okay? So in... Uh, or you could do like Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Yeah, where you're on the wrong team for most of it. Yeah, but you're just like... Yeah, Why do these teens keep killing themselves? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so back to Don't Breathe. We've established that we're on a team, and we like our teammates. We're, they're cool people, except for Cash is an asshole. So when we get into the actual robbery sequence, and shit starts going wrong, your first thought is, right, it's the, the your fingertips start sweating, and you start, like, you know, getting a little tense, because shit's gone wrong. They're in this blind dude's house. There's a lock on every window and every door. It's scary. I'm sold. It's very effective. And also it takes place in modern day Detroit. Right. In a street that is abandoned except for this one guy who still lives there. Right. So there's already like all the fear and tension I need to make this guy villainous is already there. I like right. this. I do like this trend of setting things in like rundown Detroit, though. Yo, yeah. I mean, it's brilliant. It's uh, the same it way that like, it follows was yeah. yeah in rundown Detroit, and so they could do stuff like be in suburbia, but also have it be really quiet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's a good horror uh, location. It's a sad uh, socioeconomic reality. reality. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but where was my train of thought going? Uh, so, do, 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 do. Things start getting tense. Right, things nervous. are getting tense, and now we're on the team, and we have an antagonist. It's this blind guy who has a lot of money, who has our MacGuffin, and our characters need to get the MacGuffin because the ultimate boon, yada, yada, yada. So the point in the movie where everything goes wrong for me and the villain becomes weak is when we get into the basement. Now, when we get into the basement, you think we're leading into the scene or the sequence of... This is where all the lights go out, and the villain's going to have the advantage, because he's blind, and now they're going to be blind for the first time ever, and he's been blind for years. And that seems like a super solid sequence. And it feels like we're getting there. And by this point, Cash is dead. And yeah, Cash is dead at this point. But by before we can get to that sequence, the totally in the dark trailer sequence, we we find out something else about our villain. 
we find out that our villain has a woman in his basement. Yeah, so the reason he has this money is because a rich girl ran over his daughter and killed her and they right. settled out of court and he got like 300 grand from it. Mm-hmm. Right. And so in in his retribution of like I got money for it but I still don't have a daughter, he kidnaps the the murderer, the one who runs over his daughter. And at that point I'm like, okay. That's fair. I'm okay with this as a character dealing with the grief of losing his daughter to have then taken another daughter in replacement. I was like, I like that. Like, I like the idea of like now the other parents who settled out of court know what it feels like to lose a daughter. Yeah. And they know that money cannot fill that void. And as far as I'm concerned, that's all the motivation I need for that character to believe that character. And that's all the motivation I think that character needs to, to have this woman in his basement. Uh, for the remainder of the movie, more or less, uh, this is what we believe until eventually we find out that she was that the woman in his basement, the one that he kidnapped, is has been impregnated via a turkey baster. <laughs> turkey baster that scene, rape. That scene was. It's that gross. Was yeah, it's gross. Um, and his whole thinking was because she stole a daughter from him, she's going to give him a new daughter, which is creepy. Right, and now here's here's the problem. That was already a really good villain, and then we made him a monster unnecessarily. Okay, like all all that sequence did, it didn't make me fear him more. It didn't make me fear for my protags more. It made me grossed out. It made me like that's disgusting. That's fucked up. And now I want you to die, and I didn't want you to die. And like, if I fuck. Like, I yeah. already had all the motivation to want my protags to get out of here, and I had all the motivation for you to not want them to get out of here because they're stealing your livelihood. So you essentially feel like it was just, like, an unnecessary twist. Yeah, so here, here's what I think makes a villain weak. Making him a monster unnecessarily. The villain was already strong. I already feared the villain. I already feared the consequences of my protex actions. I don't need you to also be a monster. It's just cheap. It's just one more, like, it just seems like it wasn't even written into the story. It seems like some dude was just like, eh, you gotta make your villain creepier. Because it's like, it's all in the last 20 minutes. It's like, it's not like, it's not like hinted at at all. It's not like... No, but I also don't think it needed to be hinted at because you know the entire time he lost a daughter. Right. So you knew. So as soon as you saw her, right, and I had all right, and now I believe that he did that, and I like I like that he did it to spite the other parents more than I he did it to create a new daughter. Yeah. in this young girl's womb. Yeah, and they also set up. You know, he's an army vet, and so that gives him like all the prowess that he has for being able to do all this stuff, yeah. even though he's blind, which is solid. But like. Why why make your villain a monster on top of already being your villain? I'm I already have I already believe your villain and I already like your villain. I think your villain is really solid. And then you made him a monster for no reason just I mean to what end? To like how does that benefit the story? How does that make the story stronger? Cuz I think it makes the story weaker. I think it cuz at, at that point I no longer give a fuck about this guy. I want this guy to be murdered in the face. And that, to me, takes away from the story of, like, it's no longer a struggle between a man trying to keep his livelihood 
and people trying to escape their life, two things that I already find value in and already see, like, I can see the opposing views or what's causing this conflict. And yeah, obviously the stealing is causing the conflict, but really at the heart of it, it's these opposing views. I need my livelihood. I need to create a livelihood. Those are the two opposing views, the ideals that we're like pushing against each other. And then once it's not, I need to like protect my livelihood, it's I need to create a new daughter in the womb of the person who killed my daughter. Like at that point, it's, it's not a clash of ideals. It's that guy needs to be murdered in, a, in his face and the other people need to be the heroes. Well, I think that's the point of it. But then why do why do an hour and ten minutes of pushing against ideals and then change in the last twenty minutes to I don't make it creepy. I think it I think it takes away from the I think everything up until that last twenty minutes is amazing and that last twenty minutes ruins the rest of the film. See, I don't think so. I thought that last twenty minutes like I thought it not helped it, but I thought it was I thought it was still good. I still thought it like went well with the rest of the movie. Yeah, I mean the rest of the thrilling scenes, yeah, definitely. But like as far as like villain motivation goes, I'm no longer care. I no longer care about the villain because I know he's a monster. Yeah, but I mean at the end of the day you need the monster. You need the monster. It is a horror film, you know, it is a thriller. You still need the monster. It's not a horror necessarily. It's a thriller, and a thriller doesn't need a monster. Look at uh uh I was thinking like the first scene of Flight. The first scene of Flight doesn't have a monster, really. But it is thrilling because it's high stakes. Yeah. And it's white knuckle. Like those things make it thrilling. Um, I think him being... Okay. uh, Have you seen Mr. Robot? I haven't finished the second season. I'm only a couple episodes So remember in the first season, there are thrilling moments in the first season. Yeah. When shit's like about to hit the fan. Yeah. Like... Those moments are thrilling. There's no monster. Uh, I could say there kind of is one. Uh, Mr. Robot? Well, no. let's not ruin... Let's not spoil for anybody who hasn't seen no, it. No. Uh, E-Corp? Not E-Corp, but... The Tyrell Wellick? Tyrell. They kind of set him up as a monster. Uh, I mean, he's antaggy. I don't know if he's a monster. Oh, he's, he's not a- monstrous. I would never look at him and be like, ah, oh, he needs to be murdered in his face. I look no. at him and say, that is a man with a lot of conflict who, like... As shit is going wrong in that dude's life, and he's yeah. fucked in the head. But yeah. he's not a monster, you know. He's not a cannibal. He's not no, you know. And and I think in the traditional sense of like monstrous, like what is monstrous? It's like the idea of the other, the things we don't understand, the things like like hide under our bed and at the edge of forests waiting to like snatch us up. Like those are like monsters, things that want nothing but you know maliciousness. Yeah, like that's the villains don't need to be monsters villains just need to have opposing ideas or opposing ideals to our heroes i think the perfect example is is moriarty and and sherlock holmes right i mean essentially the same character just different motivations Mm -hmm. right they're both hyper intelligent people who understand like really complex systems and like can understand you know how small of an effect he can have on another person how that will change the world around them like they're playing a chess game with the crime world essentially in those stories. Yeah. I mean, I personally didn't mind it cause I just thought it added just to me, it added another level of crazy to this guy. Cause we already saw like, yeah, I mean, we see the woman locked up and we're like, Oh my gosh, you know what's going on. Mm. And then when he starts crying, when she gets shot, when he shoots her. Yeah. That, I mean, that may be our first tip off that something is more. Think. Yeah. Yeah, and so I thought it was a natural. I thought they 
they kind of alluded to it and they made it more of a natural progression because as soon as you find out, you know, the baby thing, you're mm-hmm. like, oh, that makes so much more sense. Well, for the crying scene, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, even but, still, I mean, it adds. Just... I think it it adds to his motivation. Now he's after them, not just because he's in their house and he knows their secret, but because he actually took something from them. Right, but even still, I when when she, when he comes down like is crying when he realizes that she's dead. Mm-hmm. I liked it more in my head. My thought process was, oh, he was probably keeping her down here as a replacement for his daughter. Of like, he lost his daughter, and now the girl who killed his daughter has to be his daughter. Like that. That was enough headcanon and like good enough for me to believe it and be like, yeah, I'm okay with that. No, I mean, I thought that same thing too. But yeah, then- no, so now he's reliving the death of his daughter. Like he's reliving it in his basement with this girl who killed his daughter. Yeah. You know, and like the second death, I guess. And like that was a powerful enough moment for me to believe that was the reality of the mm-hmm. situation. And then, yeah, changing it to be, oh, she was pregnant with his child. Yeah. It was just, it was too much. I don't think so. Well, that's just my opinion, man. That's just my opinion. Uh, I mean, overall, I thought the movie was great. It was definitely one of the best like horror thrillers I've seen in a while. All right. I would classify it as horror. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think you got to be careful there. Uh, okay, I would say it's like... Yeah, it's thriller horror. I, I would guess. say it's in between... It's definitely in between thriller and horror. It's like, somewhere. It's like... There's if, a Venn diagram somewhere. It's like if Panic both. Room was mm-hmm. gory. Yeah, but I don't even think this was that no, gory. No, but it had more blood. Yeah, it was definitely it was bloody for sure. I mean, there that was... fight scene in the mm-hmm. uh, in the laundry room. Oh yeah, that was Absolutely. fantastic. And just like every sequence with someone falling from something, which and, happened a lot. Yeah, people fell a lot in this movie. <laughs> I mean, I thought it was good. I mean, I'd give it the horror nod because the way you know, like with just the amount of blood and the implements used. Yeah, that's fair. That kind of gave it the horror element, the implements used, mm-hmm. instead of just like, oh, you know, we're just bad guys with guns or whatever, or like, I'm just a crazy person. I mean, it's an ex-crazed army vet who can murder you with his hands, but mm-hmm. he's still deciding to use, like, rigid tools to do it. Yeah, that's all the villain I need. And that's what I'm getting at. It's like, those aspects are what make the movie good. See, to me, it was just like... It was tacked on at the end. I don't think so. And it so. felt weak. Because I think it added to his craziness, and it like really. But why did we need to add to? We didn't make look. Once we make a villain a monster, I think the problem is we stop. We stop understanding that villain's motivations. Once, once we I make. I don't think so. I, I okay. Look, so. we made him crazy, and then it's hard to understand that crazy and look at the crazy and be like, "Yeah, I get that." Like, I get wanting to. I don't think they want the, you to get that though. That's the point. At the end of the day, you're not supposed to walk out of there going, "Oh, I get why that guy was doing that." That's not the point. Well, I'm not saying it's the point. I'm you weren't supposed. To, I mean, I'm saying it's a stronger move to let us understand our villains. Like I understand, in Mr. Robot, I understand Tyrell Wellick. I understand his thought process, his driving forces, pretty much for the entire first season. I I don't understand this villain in Don't Breathe, and I understood him until the last twenty minutes, and then at that point, I stopped understanding him because he became a monster as opposed to a man, and I think that's a weak story move. Because it's I don't no, think it's so. no I think you have to create a monster in that type of... In that, I, I mean, I, they were going for a horror movie, so they had to create a monster. I, I don't think so. I mean, I think... You look at stuff like... Uh, I, I would argue, for instance, like Saw. In Saw, I don't think Jigsaw is a monster. Look, Jigsaw does some screwy things, but Jigsaw justifies his actions enough, articulately enough, for me to look at him and be like, okay, yeah, I get it. It's kind of anarchistic. It's kind of nihilistic. 
your kind of your approach to like life is fragile, and if you're not willing to fight every inch for it, then you don't deserve it. And so, like, yeah, he's putting people to the test of like, do you deserve life? Like, let me see. And like, I understand that character enough to not be a, like to not make him a monster. I vilify him because I'm like, well, you're like. You're a terrible person. Yeah, you're taking drug addicts and you're, like, forcing them to dig their hands through needles to, like, get a key so they don't blow up. Like, it's fucked up, but I get, like, your motivation. Like, that's why I don't... He's not a monster. He's a villain. In Don't Breathe, he's a monster, not a villain. And that's what I think is weak. I think, like, Jigsaw is a stronger villain. And I'm not talking about, like, the seven Jigsaw moves. I'm talking about, like, Saw 1 and 2, maybe 3. Like, when it's still somewhat grounded and not just gore-fest. Yeah. 1 and 2 are definitely the best. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, one is. I would still watch one. Oh, knowing yeah. what happens, I yeah. would still watch one. Happily. It's so good. It's it's a good movie. Yeah, it's I saw it, and it's terrifying. But my, that's way more of a thriller as well compared right. to a horror movie. But my villain is not a monster, right? And then you have movies where like there are clear monsters, right? You have like, uh, like monster movies like Godzilla. Right. Uh, I don't think that counts. I think but if, Godzilla, you're gonna, if you're going to go, the, if no, you're going to go monsters, Halloween. Friday okay. the Thirteenth, something like that. Sure, I would say Friday more. the Thirteenth, monster. Freddy Krueger, monster. Yeah, right. Jason, monster. Like all those guys are absolute monsters. Leatherface, monster. The Hills Have Eyes, monsters. Right. Those movies work with those monsters because they're monster movies. Right. Don't breathe is not a monster movie. So making your villain a monster does well, what not work. You cla- classify as a monster movie. I don't really agree. I would say those are horror films. Right. But a but, monster but movie is whole, like Godzilla. Right. Those are those are horror movies with monster antagonists. Their antagonists are are like definably monstrous. Yeah. Right? And that's what I'm talking about. It's like the vil- if the villain is a monster, let's just agree right now for the purpose of this conversation that if the villain is a monster, we're calling it a monster movie. Okay. Even though they're yeah, they're they're horror movies by every definable aspect. But just let's let's just clarify that for this conversation, there are movies and then there are monster movies. There are only two categories. Okay. And that a monster movie has a villain who is a monster, and a movie, like a regular movie, has a villain that is a villain. Like a proper... Okay, okay I get you. Now, there's there's an interesting topic that kind of spins off of this that, that Will brought up to me the other day. Uh, to make sure I talked about... He asked me to make sure I talked about uh, Marvel mustache-twirling villains, <laughs> um, which I thought was really compelling to a certain extent because yeah this whole distinction between villain and monster like when does the villain become the monster i mean i think once they start becoming the other when they start being non-understandable when they start like going past like what we understand as like a normal person's thought process maybe not even a normal person's thought process but an understandable thought process like once you like escape the area of like okay i get that thought process now you're a monster i would say most people locking someone up and making that forcing them to be your new daughter is a past normal thought process i think so too but i also don't think it's monstrous i don't think it's it's not quite monstrous yet i think it's it's on the edge of like okay you've probably lost your rocker a little bit but it's still i get it like i still i can still look at the thought process and be like ah you're stealing a daughter from the other parents who settled out of court so that they didn't have to send their daughter to so you're saying so you're saying there's a difference between insane and monster well i don't think that's insane either i think it's it's highly motivated uh, evil not yeah evil to a certain extent it's highly motivated people doing things outside of the law and outside of societal norms to get their justice and that's what i mean that's what that character was doing until the last 20 minutes he was getting his justice 
I lost a daughter. This family should have lost a daughter too. They didn't because they had money and they could pay their way out of it. So I'm going to take their daughter so that they understand what it feels like to lose a daughter. That is villain. It is not monster. If, if it had turned out like he was eating her, that would have also been like immediate. Okay, now you're a monster, right? Like cannibalism is just like the so quick to make people monsters. Like in, in The Last of Us, which is the other example I wanted to talk about, which is unfortunate you haven't played it. But let me explain to you real quickly. Well, you wanted to do the Marvel stuff. We'll, we'll get back to that okay. just because now we're on, on this and I want okay. to finish it really Sorry. quickly. Well, it's okay. We're just – you and I specifically are really good at, at tangenting, at like making a tangent and then just like, okay, well, let's talk about that for a while. Like we talked about fantasy football for a while this like before we started doing this and there was like no – there was no reason we talk about fantasy football other than we both play fantasy football. There was like nothing led into it. We well, most act- of the most of the intros on this are just us, you know. Yeah, but we like – we tangented into – anyways. So, so the last of us, cannibals. Uh, okay, so just as a quick premise, so you understand it, in The Last of Us, you are character Joel. You're trying to get Ellie across the states. Along the way, you run into a lot of people that you have to kill because they're trying to kill you. And it's a post-apocalyptic society, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, zombies. Yada. Okay. So towards the, the the end of the movie, or towards the end of the game, well, I almost called it a movie. It kind of feels like a movie sometimes. Uh, towards the end of the game, uh, Ellie gets kidnapped by a group of people. Now, when you meet the head of this group of people. He's trying to explain to Ellie, Joel is a monster. Joel is running across the states, murdering my people, killing our friends. And so, yeah, we're obviously going to go out there and try and kill him because he's a, he's, a, he's a maniac. And he's dragging you, this little girl, across the states, just mur- leaving this, this huge wake of destruction and murder. Like, we have to stop this guy. And at that point, you're like, oh, my God, I've been a monster this whole game. How many people have I killed? How many people <laughs> have, like, stabbed in the throat with a small knife? Like, I'm a fucking crazy person. Yeah. And and then you take over Joel again, and then you have to go and you have to save Ellie. And, like, that whole sequence of going to save Ellie from these people who think that they're protecting her from you is such a great moment, right? I mean, I can see the smile on your face just listening to the story. Yeah, idea. no, it like, sounds great. What I'm thinking of is Snowpiercer. I haven't seen Snowpiercer. No, wait, wait, that's the that's the the train one, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. I've seen Snowpiercer. Yeah, exactly. The end it's of like, that. Yeah, we're doing all this villainy to save you, right? In Snowpiercer, that was the whole premise. Like, we're doing this villainy so that we can save you all. Yeah, right. We're not cutting off the last two parts of the caboose because we need the last two parts of the caboose. Yeah. Right, we need to have a class system to make exactly. our little world here work. Without a class system, we fall apart. In the same way of of in in The Last of Us, it's the greater good is to keep Ellie away from Joel because Joel is a maniac and dangerous for Ellie. We are a community of people trying to protect each other. You're more safe with us, Ellie. So then you take over Joel, and you have to, as Joel, go and slaughter these assholes and get Ellie back. Right. Sounds like an awesome sequence until you realize that these people are also cannibals. Oh, uh, right. Because now all of a sudden it's not. It's not. I'm not saving Ellie from these people who think they're better than me, so that I can complete my goal, so that I can you know have my ultimate boon. Now it's I'm trying to save Ellie from cannibals, which takes our villains who are just a clash of ideals. Joel is the only thing that can protect Ellie versus. We're as you know, we as a safe community are the only thing that can protect Ellie. It stops being that clash of ideals and starts being, I have to save Ellie from cannibals. 
we're cannibals and fuck you. Like that becomes the clash. I get you. And here's going to be my argument to that. You have to see you think differently than most people. You think things way more. You think about things differently. You know, like we had the we had to have a whole discuss as you mentioned earlier. We had to have a whole philosophical discussion before we could talk right. about pop punk music. Right. <laughs> most people just go, "I hate this town. I love my friends, and I want pizza." Right. Okay. <laughs> so they have to do this. Like they'll throw an interesting twist that people are like, "Oh yeah," but at the end of the day, you need to justify why your actions are good, as you would for most audiences. But hold on. You think of things as. Not everything's black and white, but in entertainment like that, most people want black and white. But entertainment is an escapism. So, yes, it's good to challenge, but you also need to make things clear at the end of the day. Now, hold on, because The Last of Us ends on a very similar sequence. The whole point of The Last of Us is Joel is trying to get Ellie to this medical center because Ellie has the cure in her blood of how to stop this zombie outbreak. We can set the world straight. The whole point of Joel getting her there is to cure the zombie apocalypse. Now, quick spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't played the game. I'm about to spoil the ending of the game. In the end, you get to this this hospital. You drop Ellie off with these doctors. You then find out that Ellie is going to have surgery done on her. And in the surgery, she is probably going to die. They're going to have to take part of her brain out in order to find the cure for this zombie apocalypse. You've just transported across the, the states very much a symbolism of his dead daughter, which is very heavy for this character, but also the cure for the zombie apocalypse. The final sequence is Joel freaking out because he can't lose Ellie, this thing that he fought for for the last year. And so he goes and murders everyone in the hospital, kills the doctors about to perform surgery, steals Ellie, who's been unconscious takes her away, and then lies to her and tells her that they got the cure and that everything's going to be fine now. So this whole, it, it has to be black and white, it doesn't. The whole game ends on this very gray area protag of like, yeah, Joel feels heroic for so much of the movie, or the, of the game, up until you murder at like point-blank range three doctors who are unarmed. Like, once you do that, that distinction between are you the good guy or the bad guy dissolves. Yeah. And we already had a little bit of that that got ruined by this cannibalism thing. So, yeah, I mean, like, there's a small part of me that thinks maybe, maybe they added the cannibalism thing so that they can lessen the, that blow. At of, the end. No, so they can lessen the first blow of stealing Ellie from these people so that they can make the the ending more grandiose the really that's the first time that joel might be a villain the moral compass comes into play yeah right so you have one moral compass questioning as opposed to two moral compass questioning but i think i like the idea of questioning the compass earlier because at the end of the day the moral compass is still it's not about what's best for ellie it's about getting ellie to this place so what's best for everything right joel when he's fighting against uh, these cannibals, if they aren't cannibals, then this fight becomes what is better for the mankind. And the good they, of the one versus the good of the many. Exactly. Yeah, Ellie might be more safe here, but we'll all be better off if I can get Ellie out of this place and get her home and get her to where I need to go. Mm-hmm. Like that conflict is enough to drive me as a player 
to go and save Ellie. Of like, I have to complete my quest. I have to get the ultimate boon. I have to do this. Otherwise, we're all doomed, right? Mankind is doomed. I have to cure the zombie apocalypse. And then the end, I'm also, I feel very driven to save Ellie because they tell me that Ellie's going to die. I'm like, no. Like, I watched my daughter die at the beginning of this game. And now I have to go and I have to save this girl so that I can kind of save my daughter, metaphorically. Yeah. But more importantly, because I can't, I can't lose this part of myself as a gamer. You know, like, this is my thought process through Joel, my hero. And so, yeah, that, that, that villain versus monster aspect in the third act, or in the early, I think it's technically four acts, if you want to call it that. Because there's, they break it down into seasons, right? Summer, fall, or excuse me, fall, summer, wait, no, no, no. Spring, summer, fall, winter, winter right? It ends in spring. So the first act is summer, right? So it brings it into four acts. The third act is winter, and that's the whole act with the cannibalism, mm-hmm. right? And so that third act could have had a great villain, but instead it has a monster, an okay monster, like a human monster, as opposed to like the uh, the zombies we've been dealing with the whole time. And I think it's objectively weaker to do something like that. I think it's objectively weaker to make your villain a monster. Now to mustache twirlers. Okay, before we get off that, okay, do you watch The Walking Dead? Uh, I'm aware of it enough to think I can have this conversation. Negan. No. <laughs> Never mind. Explain him, though. Let's so, discuss it. I haven't read the comics, so anyone out there who's read the comics obviously knows, but I've kind of looked up. So pretty much, I just watched the TV show. At the end of this past season, there's this group. I mean, obviously, through the whole thing, it's you know warfare between groups and all that stuff, along with trying to survive a zombie apocalypse, kind of like The Last of Us. Mm-hmm. But this guy, he's just he just runs a group of evil dudes who are just out there. They're for themselves, and they'll kill anyone, you know, if they don't join. It's either join or die. Okay. So he has a bat called Lucille that is wrapped in barbed wire. Okay. And that's his main weapon. Yeah, it's pretty pretty violent. Yeah. So at the literally at the end of the season, there's like twelve of them all lined up, and he's going like eeny meeny miny mo and choosing and who to them. kill. Yeah, that's monster. No, he hasn't. He hasn't. I mean. The ending and everyone uh-huh. flipped out because he hits someone, but you don't know who it is because it's first person and you just see blood coming down right. and you can't see who's actually getting hit. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty harsh. What yeah. are, you, now, are you trying to say that he's a monster or he's a villain? He's a monster, but they're just setting up right away as a monster. But you don't think that, and, and I don't know the series well enough, but you don't think that's like a, a strong man ta- tactic of just like a, you know, I'm like uh, Davy Jones in, in uh, the, thir- they're the second parents of the Caribbean. I'm going to kill one of you so the rest of you join me. You don't think he's killing one of them viciously to make the other ones join him? Oh, no, it definitely is. Well, then I don't think he'd be monstrous because I understand that. Because he's saying, you've killed a lot of my people, so I'm going to kill one of yours just so you know. But he's not even a matter of joining. It's like, don't don't F with me. See, that's villainous. I don't think that's monstrous, right? Because you can get that. You and I can both see ourselves somehow getting there of being like, yeah, if I like, put yourself in the shoes for a moment. If I had to deal with, you know, the zombie apocalypse and all these guys are killing my dudes and I capture some of them, yeah, I'm going to murk them as an example of what happens when you fuck with my people. Yeah, but they've also been, like, capturing them for, like, the main group first and things like that. Okay, well, then, yeah, I mean, like, there's there's some great It's back and forth, there. yeah. Yeah, okay. at that point, it's, it's who wronged who first and, yeah. then, like, who's the real villain, I guess, ends up becoming the question. Yeah, again, it's... A, it's Negan, but... but even <laughs> still, like, those, that's a clash of ideals. It's a clash of, you know, man versus man, not man versus monster. 
And I think the man versus man is a much more compelling storyline when it's two men or two people. I shouldn't say just men. When it's two people, the person versus person combat, whether it's physical, mental, whether it's Moriarty and Sherlock Holmes or it's two people in a basement. Yeah, I get you. That's more compelling than person versus monster. Because person versus monster, you're never on the monster's team. You're always going to be on the person's team. And you can't even envision yourself being on the monster's team. Like in Stranger Things... What part of you is like, ah, oh, you know what, the Demigorgon, he's just a little misunderstood. Well, it's not supposed to be that way at all. Right, exactly. It's a throwback to 80s exactly. sci-fi. And that's a monster, right? Yeah. Right, but you do get that the the, the father of uh, Eleven, or the quote-unquote father of yeah. Eleven, like, that's a villain. Because you get it. You can look at him and you can be like, wait, yeah, this guy's like unlocking like scientific secrets and like things about the universe he's doing it horribly but yeah i mean it's terrifying what he's what the the ends of justified terrifying means torturing and subjecting an 11 year old terrifying (laughs) means but you get it you're like but the the ends like you get that there's an ends and there's a there has to be a means yeah so yeah you get this character and he's he's a great villain because he never does anything monstrous he never like peels off her fingernails and like is like slowly like torturing her like i'm doing this because i want to fucking murder you i'm not you know it's like if you see you remember uh, reservoir dogs yeah remember the the torture scene and he's like i'm not torturing you because i want you to say anything i'm doing it because it's fun yeah that's monstrous yeah not villainous i there's no part of me that's like yeah okay he has to torture this cop or else all of his teammates are going to die it's he's torturing this cop because he's a masochist and he's terrifying and he's awful and he's a Tarantino character. And a Tarantino character. God damn it! Tarantino characters are just monsters. Uh, although Candy from Django Unchained. Which one was she? Uh, no, no, no. Candy what? was uh, uh, the Candy Ranch. Uh, that's uh, uh, Leonardo, DiCaprio? Leonardo DiCaprio's character. Oh yeah, is his name John Candy or something? Oh, like I don't that? remember. Whatever his name is, his. That's a villain. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He's a little dim-witted. He's a little simple, but he gets power. And he has power, and he likes power. And he knows how to use and power. And he knows how to use power to a certain extent. But he also gets, like, flexed on a lot. Like, he gets made the fool a ton. And so when he does freak out at the end, and he's like, shake my hand. Like, that's powerful. Yeah. Because, like, that, I understand that character's motivation. That guy's been dicked around for a while. He's been made the fool. But now he has the upper hand, and he's flexed his upper hand, and now you're going to thank him for doing it. And that is a good character motivation. <laughs> and it's a Tarantino character, admittedly. But Tarantino it's one, it's one of the crazy. few that's not, like, absolutely insane. Yeah, I mean, Tarantino characters can sometimes get a little hyper. Like, they're a little bit too much. But that's such a good character moment. And he never yeah. had to be a monster. Honestly, he was the only, like, real character development in, like, per- someone with, like, multiple multiple aspects of their personality yeah in i mean that movie, he, in my he had a really interesting arc right his everyone else was, was just one one dimensional they had a goal and they were doing it yeah i mean everyone else exactly yeah everyone like else Django, had a MacGuffin. They like needed to get Django, MacGuffin. like I, d- I couldn't get past that movie because i was just like like i liked it it was really mm-hmm. good obviously leonardo dicaprio's performance was the best part of it mm-hmm. the but it's just like all of a sudden jango has been this this slave you know and he got mm-hmm. his wife taken from him and now he's got to get his wife back and that's the story yeah i mean i'm, I'm fine with that it's mm-hmm. it's supposed to be a western right you know yeah, yeah. that Dumb western white yeah. hat black hat yeah exactly right. totally cool with that 
what I wasn't cool with, all of a sudden he just becomes like the best. Like you oh, put yeah. a gun in his hand, and all of a sudden he's the best yeah, shooter he's, ever. He's the natural assassin. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's, and my problem weird. was like he was like he started off as this guy who's like I'm not sure I really want to kill anybody. Mm-hmm. To I'm the greatest gun in the West. Yeah, and to like literally that when he first when he shoots that first mm-hmm. guy, and he has a real moral dilemma of like oh no this guy's kid is running over to him yeah that's a solid you know? character moment too yeah but then literally 30 seconds later yeah doesn't care people. and just will kill anyone at this point this mm-hmm. is like you had this character moment and the did act like didn't happen yeah i mean and yes yes okay we'll move on good character but but again the, the thing about john candy is john candy is a good villain and he's not a monster does that movie benefit or get better if he also raped Broomhilda? I don't. I don't remember. Right? Broomhilda is the. Yeah, no, I remember who Broomhilda is. Right. So, d- does that movie get better if John Candy, you know, like has like a torture room in the back where he tortures, you know, slaves? Does like does that movie get better if he becomes more of a monster and less of a villain? I don't know. It's been a while since I've seen it. Well, I don't. I don't think it would. And I think that's what I'm getting at. I think what I'm getting at is the villain is more powerful than the monster. Okay. Especially when it's in the body of a man. It's scarier because it's a human. Mm-hmm. And it has, you know, it went through a thought process that exactly. you feel like you could logically, not logically, but you feel like if you snapped, you would also get there. Exactly. Like, I can, I could get there in my head. Like, I could understand John Candy's motivation. I would never do it. And like, that's why it's It's terrifying. like the I'd never get there personally, but... Well, you'd, you'd like to think you never get there personally, but that's the terror, isn't it? That's the fear of that moment is when you're afraid of John Candy in that moment, you're like, oh, yeah, I could see my ego getting the best of me in mm-hmm. that way. Like, I could fall. I could fall yeah. real hard, and I know that. I know that I'm capable of that kind of fall, right? Because I've had, like, drunken tirades in my life, so I get what it's like to be on the bottom of something. So I get what it's like to be a villain, but I don't know if I could be a monster. And, like, that's the clarification. I think if you can see yourself being the monster... Get help. <laughs> yeah, get help. But also, like, that's... You shouldn't be watching movies about anything. You no, should be you should be in a padded cell. Finding some way to not feel like you can be the monster anymore. Yeah. But seeing yourself become the villain, I think, is very human. And I think that's the terror that we find in things like those villains. It's like, oh, man, I can see myself being that villain. Like, I get the thought process enough to make that character believable and make, like... Yeah, because then all of a sudden, it's it the movie becomes more about the human spirit and more about, like humans than about you know these these destructive chaotic monsters you know it's yeah you can never look at a kaiju from uh, pacific rim and be like oh yeah i kind of get their motivation for destroying all life on earth but you know who i can get behind zod zod from superman yeah i can see that i could see being like oh here's an alien planet and i can terraform it to be like my planet where i can recreate my species yeah, yeah i can see that Zod's a solid villain, not a monster. If Zod showed up there and was like, yeah, I can rape everyone on this planet because I'm stronger than them, then I'm like, whoa, Zod! (laughs) Not a cool, bro. Superman, kill that dude. Yeah. But up until that point, up until Superman kills that dude, part of me is like, Zod is a tragic villain. And it would would suck if Superman kills Zod. Like, that would be rough. That would be hard for me to deal with. And so, like, when that final sequence is happening where Superman might kill Zod... I'm like, oh my god! Like Superman's about to become the villain. Like Superman's about to kill a person who's totally justified in everything they're doing to a certain extent. <laughs> like to him, people are not yeah. people. He didn't grow up around these things. To him, they're ants. Yeah, 
people are a weird infestation on some planet that he needs. It's it's compelling, the Zod character. And I think that Superman movie is hot garbage wrapped yeah. in a fiery blanket of more garbage. <laughs> like, I think the 49ers are better than they are, than that. You know, like, that's how much of a garbage fire it is. I, I, I appreciate that. The Niners are not even that bad. Like, that's how bad this movie is. We're not the Browns either. Yeah. I also think the Browns are better than this movie. Like, the, Ooh, this movie there is, you like, go. super there hot you garbage. Go. Yeah. I mean, like... Super hot fire? Super hot fire garbage. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, also, if you want to hear more opinions about Zack Snyder, go back to the episode I had with Reed where we talk about the Snyderverse. Uh, you know what? I, I actually appreciated a lot of that conversation. Uh, I felt it. I felt you. Yeah, I got you. Cool. I got you. Thanks for the thumbs up. That was more for the audience. No, part. I understand. But I'm also I'm also like aiding the plug of like, yeah, I did I enjoyed that <laughs> that listening experience. Go back and listen. Yeah. Woo. So yeah, I think we clearly defined all that stuff. So now let's get into the mustache twirlers. Yeah, the mustache twirlers. Yeah, the mus- yeah see the mustache twirlers are kind of fun. Like, well, I mean, that's the thing. They're not going to be in horror movies. Those are mm. more towards what I generally will say a monster movie is. Yeah. I mean, they're closer to that neighborhood of like, eh, it's their entire role. They're way is, more lighthearted. You're yeah. not supposed to relate. It's really one-sided. Just, yay, good guys. Boo, bad exactly. guys. They're just black hats. You know, it's just like they're just supposed to be the villain. Like, yeah. they're not. There's no part of me that's supposed to sit there and be like, wow, Kingpin has got like some stuff he has to work out. Like maybe in the television show Daredevil. Like, he was maybe, actually really yeah. good. I mean, maybe I'll look at that and be like, yeah, Kingpin's got some shit going on. But in the comic books, there's no part of me that wants to look at, at Kingpin no. in, in the Marvel Universe and be like, yeah, man, like I, I can understand why Kingpin is yeah. the way he is. I mean, he's just in the TV show. He's just like a very strong mob boss. Yeah, but he's also he has a character. Yeah. Like he's not just blanketed antag villain you know, no redeeming qualities. Like he's a solid character. Yeah, and like that's the difference between villain and monster. And yeah, when, yeah. Then comic you book got... twirler, like mustache twirling comic book villains. I don't think they're necessarily. And, and here's the thing: is the whole the whole idea is that the monster villain is cheap when you put it into a human body. When you take the monster, or when you take like your villain, and you're like, okay, here's our villain. It's a conflict of ideals, but also our villain is also a monster. That's where I think you're muddling your story. I think you're making your story weaker. I don't think comic books suffer from the mustache twirlers i don't think that their blanketed antagonist really like i don't think green goblin weakens the comic book universe i don't think kingpin weakens the comic book which universe. green goblin uh i'm talking like willem original, defoe. yeah willem defoe yeah. yeah i guess you could put james franco as like hobgoblin but also i'm talking about like comic book green goblin i'm talking like comic book hobgoblin comic book uh you know venom like comic book Oh, comic book uh, Venom Dr. is Gino. way better. I mean, like, there are characters in comic books that aren't mustache twirlers, you know? Uh, like uh, Magneto. Hydra. Uh, Hydra. Magneto. Uh, um, Magneto is very complicated. Not, see, but I get Magneto. Like, it, if we're talking, like, original couple series Magnetos, yeah, when Magneto saw Devil Horns, yeah, obviously he was just blanket antagonist. I'm talking, yeah. like, Magneto in the last, like, 15 years. Like, Magneto's been... I mean, he's been explored as a character. Oh, yeah, totally. Right? And I like that. Like, he, we've taken the monster out of him. We've taken the devil horns, the literal devil horns off his helmet. Yeah. And now he's just, it's a conflicting ideal. Yeah. That's just, yeah, that's a, yeah. And that's that's always going to be compelling. Every single time that I watch my hero fight a villain where the main conflict is a matter of ideals, 
and a matter of motivation. Like, I have to get the MacGuffin. No, I have to get the MacGuffin. If I understand why each character needs to get the MacGuffin, I am in, I'm compelled to continue watching because I'm like, I, I, feel, I understand both people's aspects of the story. And that's, those are the moments where you forget about the protagonist shield and you start looking at these characters and you're like, either one of these guys could get the MacGuffin. In the end, yeah, if you if you don't suspend disbelief, you know the protag's going to get it. Mm-hmm. But like those are the moments like where you really believe both ideals. Mm-hmm. Those are the moments where you can, where I think it's easier to suspend disbelief. Yeah, and I think it's like, oh my god, what if our hero doesn't get the MacGuffin? Is there a part two already scheduled? <laughs> yeah, like uh, like what happens if our hero fails? And I don't think enough of our stories have heroes failing. Yeah. And yeah, there's this whole thing about like, well, the hero can't fail. It doesn't follow the hero's journey if he fails. It's like, well, maybe he doesn't get the MacGuffin, but he still gets the ultimate boon. You know what I mean? Um, like, James Bond has been doing that recently. Yeah, James Bond. Look at when they first did it with uh, uh, Casino Kirk. Royale. Yeah, yeah. I, would, I didn't see the last one. Neither did I. But, but in Casino Royale, is yeah. a perfect example. Like he got the, you know, our hero won the MacGuffin, lost the ultimate boon. Yeah. Right? And it's like that... Like our hero lost, and yeah. you can always do it the opposite way. Like Skyfall, I didn't. I never saw Skyfall. Oh, Skyfall was Skyfall is probably one of the best. Really? Does it have yeah. that kind of thing where he wins the MacGuffin but he loses the ultimate boon? Yeah. So like, his entire family home gets destroyed. Like he kills the bad guy, but he loses Q or he and loses M. And just just a quick clarification, because I know I'm using ultimate boon as a like character. Okay, so. Technically speaking, in the hero's journey, the ultimate boon is, or could be considered the MacGuffin. They could be the same thing, right? But when I'm saying the ultimate boon, for the purpose of this conversation, I mean, like, the character arc completion. Yeah. Like, our character has, like, finally, you know, come full circle. He's on his yeah. way back home. He's got. There's the thing that can either, that yeah. they're chasing, but then there's also the thing that means more than what they're chasing. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what I mean by the ultimate boon. Yeah. The ultimate boon is in, yeah, like, that. the character arc completion. Yeah. He's he's like for instance, in uh, in in Lord of the Rings, and better better example. God, Lord of the Rings is actually awful. Better example in Pirates of the Caribbean too. Johnny Depp thrusts himself into the Kraken. He finally has a heroic moment, and he likes it. Right, that's the whole point of the second movie. Is one of these days you're going to have a moment where you can become the hero, mm-hmm. and you're going to like it. You're going to like the way it t- you know the way it feels. Yeah, uh, that's a Kirsten, not Kirsten. That's uh, Kieran Knightley. Knightley's line. That moment, yeah, he's lost everything. He's lost the pearl again. He's about to lose his life, but he won this small personal battle. Like that's what I'm talking about by the ultimate boon. Like this yeah. idea of like I've completed the personal battle. Yeah. I've gained something, as opposed to. You know, I've lost both MacGuffins. I've lost my life, which is what I've been fighting this whole movie for, mm-hmm. in exchange for this. Yeah. and that's kind of Skyfall. Like he is fighting to stop this guy. You know, he's you know, but he's lost a lot of people along mm-hmm. the way, and it and, and it and it does upset him. It's not just like James Bond. Like, oh, people are dead. I guess. Like he loses agents that he was close with. Right. So he fails to a certain extent, but he succeeds. He in succeeds way. in stopping the the thing that will that will save everyone but he loses personally yeah and like those those moments are always really compelling because like yeah again it's it's the villain took something away from my pro tag Mm -hmm. and that hurts yeah as a viewer of like i don't like watching my pro tag be hurt but also i think it's really compelling when they are and that's all things like 
let's make more compelling stories. Let's make more stories where we challenge ourselves to to handle what we've just learned or watched. And let's stop making cheap shit where our villains are are either mustache twirlers. So stop with the Marvel formula. Or, eh, to a certain extent. Like, a mustache twirl villain will always have its place in the campy westerns and things that, like, look, like I'm doing a story about my character's ego, and to do that, my villain, like, my plot villain has to be a mustache twirler cause just because I need something to fit in there. Yeah. Sure. Go for it. Fit in your, your mustache twirling villain. That way we can have the story about your character's ego. And like, that's really the journey we're on. Yeah. With, you know, like, have you seen uh, Super? Yes. Okay. So Kevin Bacon is somewhat like this drug dealing mustache twirler. Yeah. Right? He's just a bad dude. Right. But that's also not what the movie's about. No. Right. The movie's about Rain Wilson stepping up and doing. Going insane. Yeah. Kind of going insane, but also in the end, like, doing what's right. What he think is be, like a divine directive of mm-hmm. like go and save this girl because it would be good for the world and it ends up being good for the world right this woman or uh live tyler live tyler ends up having this beautiful family yeah rain wilson grows as a person all because he goes to this ranch and kills jock like that the mustache twirling villain works because that's not what the story's about yeah right the story is about this character's journey to overcome his awkwardness and do something courageous and insane because it has to be done for the betterment of mankind. Yeah. Like, yeah. Have your mustache to roast for that and have your monster movies for, you know, Godzilla movies. That's have, essentially yeah. Jaws. Exactly. You know, Jaws is about monsters. a man overcoming his fear of the water and that fear and that Right. And that there is a monster. monster. Yeah. Right? And like, yeah. And there's a Kraken in Pirates of the Caribbean. Right? Yeah. But the movie isn't about killing the Kraken. Yeah. The movie's about Johnny Depp becoming a hero, or yeah. uh, Captain Jack becoming a hero. Yeah. So yeah, have your monsters. Have your mustache-twirling villains. But if you're going to have a ideal versus ideal story, if you're going to have two you know, agents working against each other, and like that's the story you want to tell, the story about these young people trying to break in and steal from somebody so that they can better their lives, taking someone's livelihood so that they can better their lives, make it about that. Make your story about that. Don't have a, a monster be the villain because then it's not a good story anymore. We lose that part where we're being compelled to continue watching, where we're like rooting for one side but like kind of dreading the failure of the other side, right? I mean, that's what uh, that's what the night of is. You know, when you watch the night of uh, the night of, you're looking at this cop and you're looking at this, you know, this kid in jail, and you kind of want both of them to win, but you know that that's such a weird thing, to, like. I get you. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And like that's that to me is such compelling storytelling. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Okay. Cool. So, all right. I, so I think, I think the punch yeah. I'm getting. Yeah. At yeah. I think is, we got. I think we got things. to it. <laughs> that's a great wrap up. So okay, real quick, we'll just spend like a minute on a couple recommendations for what you're talking about. Uh, I would still say don't go see Don't Breathe. Yeah, it's really I awesome. Say, if say, you like thriller films, if you're okay with you know kind of twisted stuff, I say. Uh, after listening to this podcast, maybe don't go watch it because you probably are have just had it ruined. But if you skipped all the spoilers, which maybe fit in time, you probably didn't. That, you probably didn't skip spoilers. Uh, so yeah, go go maybe check this out uh, if you're interested in thrilling mo- thrilling movies. I think it's it's very thrilling. Uh, it got my heart beat up. I still, I mean, even though knowing it, it, I still think it's really the camera work alone is very suspenseful. Yeah, like, I mean, the way they set things up, like that scene where they're just like. Oh, you know, they're showing all the different mm-hmm. devices that will end up coming back in play. You're like, how does that come back in play? 
some ways yeah, that very one, small that one huge camera tracking shot yeah it's like oh this piece of glass literally it was just stuck to the bottom mm-hmm. of her shoe and he finds it on the ground, and that's all it does. And then they show the hammer, and it's like, yeah, that's oh, what he no. uses it to do the thing. Yeah, anyway, no, but it's like, oh yeah, he only just he nails something. Like, but they set it up like, oh, this could be big, right? I mean, there's a lot of very interesting camera work in that movie, and I think yeah. one of the great things about the movie is its camera work and a handful of things, a handful like sound. Sound is amazing yeah. in that movie. That's what I love about horror films. They understand that sound. Some is, horror movies do, not all good ones, but some. The best ones Here's understand the that the good, sound. The create. good movies, good movies tend to do good things. Yeah, you know that's the yeah. thing. It's yeah. like yeah, any any good movies need to have a good sound. As a sound guy personally, right. I, I, that's what I love about great horror films is the fact that it's like, oh yeah, no, they create. The whole point is you aren't supposed to see; you're just supposed mm, to hear it. Exactly, and they understand. You that. feel it audibly, audibly, yeah, auditorially. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the, check that out if you haven't played The Last of Us. Uh, and you don't mind having the ending ruined uh yeah play the last of us that's a solid one uh the night of sounds like the night of is is fantastic and the night of is one of those shows that like you watch and there's no filler episodes like every episode feels like it's building towards the end and every time we have a small victory they're huge john tatura has a handful of small victories in that show that means so much to the viewer uh likewise mr robot yeah uh, first season might be one of my favorite seasons of television. Uh, the second season, season, the second, yeah, I'm, I'm in the middle of the second season uh, right now. I'm actually in like episode eight. Uh, so far, I'm not digging it a whole lot. Uh, there's filler episodes, and every time you do a filler episode in a TV it, show, it it. Uh, yeah, I want you to die in a hole. <laughs> like, don't make weak episodes. Like, make a shorter yeah. season. Fuck you. You know, <laughs> like, oh, it's only ten episodes. I know we're doing ten episodes. It could have been seven. It yep. could have been six. I get Fuck you. you when you're trying to do 10 episodes. Just If you're going to do 10 episodes, do 10 good episodes. Don't give me like three fillers where I don't even see my main character, yeah. the titular character. You're going to skip him for an entire episode. Fuck you. That's not an episode of the television show I signed up for. Yeah. Like, m- go make another show. Make a spinoff <laughs> episode. Don't do, don't do that. Which is why I'm sad they're going to be doing a second season continuing the same story of Stranger Things. Yeah, Stranger Things is over for me. Like, I, I'm yeah, gonna, no, it should have been done. That first season, you know, like, yeah, but you Great. know what? The last time I said that was at the end of season four, Breaking Bad, and everyone disagrees with me. Breaking Bad, Breaking last. Bad ended at season four for me, and I was satisfied. Did Every, you finish it? Yeah. Okay. I I don't think I gained anything from the last two seasons. No. Whatever. Season four is was it for me? It, right. it was perfect. It ended perfectly. Um, All right. Well, let's get some plugs in. Uh, I don't have anything to plug because I'm lazy and awful. Uh, yeah, website's still under development. Uh, if you if you are a web designer, please contact me because I want to put this. You want to give an email out, out there? Uh, yeah, contact me at uh, David is better than Matt at gmail dot com. No, uh, contact <laughs> me at uh, David dot Navarro dot Z as in zebra bees and bear and T as in tiger. Uh, so David dot Navarro dot ZBT and that's at Gmail. Uh, yeah, hit me up if you want to do web design for me because that would be awesome. Uh, I'm looking at WordPress. Because WordPress looks really easy. All right. Uh, you can also find me at, at Dave J. Navarro on Twitter. Uh, now and again, I tweet things. Sometimes they're witty. Sometimes they're boring. Mostly witty. You can also follow me. <laughs> I'll um, be the judge of that. Where else can you follow me? Snapchat and Instagram. I don't really. Okay. Well, that's all. Snapchat I use to look at all my friends and what they're doing and usually hate them for it. <laughs> Snapchat is so awful. I keep deleting and then re-downloading it like an asshole can't i can't uh, make up my mind on the thing uh, all right well thanks for coming on man uh thank you for having me matt uh again i hope to be the first third well, uh, guest maybe i definitely have to go to work right now 
Oh my god. Okay, let's yeah, get to be at work in an hour and 15. So, okay. Well, I'm going to shake your hand All right. for the podcast. Okay. All right. Thanks. See Bye, you guys everyone. next week. All right. Thanks for listening everybody. Hope you enjoyed it. If you guys have any opinions or you saw Don't Breathe, let me know. I want to I want to know what you thought of the villain and the turn of him and how they as David said took him from like a human into a monster. Let me know what you guys think. Time for the plugs. Follow the podcast on Twitter at btjmopod, on Facebook at facebook.com slash btjmopod. Feel free to email us at but that's just my opinion pod at gmail.com. And the song of the week. So last night, went to a show to see one of my favorite bands, Every Time I Die. I know I have played a song by them before, but they just came out with a new album recently. And the last song on that album is one of my favorite songs they've ever written. And it's called Map Change. And that's what I'm going to play this week because they played it last night as their closer. And it was amazing to see live. And that new album's great. It's called Low Teens. So go check it out if you like this song. So have a great weekend and we'll see you next week.